Thank you for listening to the podcast of Dublin Bible Church. Well, if you have your Bibles, I would love it if you would open up to the Gospel of Luke. Um, Luke 10 is where we're going to be, starting in verse 38. If you didn't bring a Bible and you have a smartphone, we are good with getting there through Bible app, Blue Letter Bible, however you get there um, electronically, that's cool. But if you don't have a smartphone and you don't like phones that are smart because you think they're smarter than you, I totally understand that too. So we have pew Bibles uh, in the chairs So we call them pew Bibles, just so you'll know what they are, although we don't have pews. And we're pretty glad we don't. So, um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 is where we're going to be. And if you're listening to the prayer that I just prayed, this message is about balance. And who needs balance in their life? Anyone? Anyone need balance? Anyone? We're all good. We don't need balance. Everything's going great. If you've ever had a car that, that had a wheel out of balance, you know that, that early on, like when you're going slow, you know, you don't really have the, like the warning signs like, hey, this, it's like when you're going slow and a, and a wheel is out of balance, it's really like not that big of a deal. You can't really tell. But the faster you get going, what happens? You become keenly aware that now there's a problem, and if you ignore that problem, then your tire's going to go bad, and then you're probably going to go bad, and you're probably going to crash your car, right? Like, we, we know this in so many other areas of our life, and yet all of us, all of us, if we're honest, we have areas of our life where we're completely imbalanced, Right? Like we're completely imbalanced. This message may seem, if you're, if you're kind of new to the faith or if you're just kind of kicking the tires on the faith or maybe you've never come to this church before, this, this message may be a little bit like a little bit abstract for you. Just press in a little bit. Next week's message is going to be incredibly practical for every single one of us. We're actually starting a new series next week called Catalyst. And the idea is that we're all called to start something. No matter what it is, God is speaking to us, and he wants us to start something. But first, we've got to get through this talk. This talk is about trying to strike the balance on our worship and our service, right? Of our worship and our service. Many of, of us, we have sat in environments like this, and we love the worship, and we love everything about it. Maybe you love hearing a message or the, just the response what the band does and just being in this space, but yet our life can be even out of balance when we so much absorb, but we don't allow anything to leave us. Our lives can be so out of balance even when we're so busy serving that we don't stop to receive anything of God through worship. So we... We have some telltale signs in the scripture, and this is like the best example in scripture of somebody whose whose life is out or, or it, can, it appears to be out of balance, and then maybe how to get that balance back. But balance is something that we learn like as a kid, don't we? We learn this as a kid, and who's ever gone on to a teeter-totter? Anyone? Who? Who honestly, okay, don't put your hands up yet, who has honestly ever launched another child, like you were a kid and you launched another child in the air, like through a teeter-totter, thank you for being honest, I did the same thing. Of course, I had to pick somebody who was like really, really small, I was usually the one who would like get chucked up in the air. Like I remember a time when we were at Manners Park in in Taylorville, Illinois, when I grew up, and I was on there with my brother, who, who was... Like mean, that was like his gift, and like that's what he was good at in life is just being mean to me. And I remember like we're on this teeter totter and everything's going great, and he's just like, hey, we're going up and down, everything's wonderful. But then all of a sudden he does like I don't even know what you call it, but 
Like you take your weight off of it just briefly, and then you throw your weight back on it, and then what happens to the other side? Airborne, right? So he was a little bit bigger than me in that time. And I remember that I went up in the air, over the handle, and landed just on the other side of the handle and landed like this, right? And then it was like World War III with the Zook voice. It really was. And it's like we know that balance is a big deal. We learn that in, in so many areas of our life, even in, in marriage. You know that when things get out of balance in your marriage... As soon as they get out of balance, there starts to be distance between you and your spouse, right? As soon as maybe that you're, you love to work, and yet you know that even in areas of, of your life that, that are good, that, that work is good, right? Who likes to eat? You kind of have to have both. They, they, they really work hand in hand. And yet... We know that even in areas that maybe somebody who's really inclined to like work, 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 and then all of a sudden when, when they're not doing what they're supposed to with their kids and maybe they're not they're at work a little bit more, doing a little bit more overtime, they're not with their kids, it's like instantly we start to feel that distance between us and our kids. And the same thing can happen in, in a lifestyle of worship as we're in this series called Worship or this series called Worship Redefined. We can have the same kind of inkling, the same warning very, very early. Um, if maybe when we need to worship a little bit more, we just need to sit at the feet of Jesus a little bit more, or maybe we just need to, to get off of our seat and we maybe need to go serve Jesus a little bit more. And I could think of no better example than this one from the scriptures. And kind of the takeaway for today is activity for Jesus should never replace our adoration of Jesus. Activity for Jesus should never, ever, ever replace our adoration of Jesus. Ever. All caps, ever. Hashtag ever. Like, it, it should never, ever, ever replace that. Our, our, our activity for Jesus should never replace our adoration of Jesus. The two should work hand in hand, but one should not or the, our activity should not supersede our adoration of Jesus. Well, in this text, we see that really there's kind of the interplay of three different people. There's Jesus, Martha, and Mary. And Martha and Mary, I would just say this before we get into this, neither one of them are doing a bad thing, but one of them can be doing a better thing. But it's not a bad thing. Let's jump in and see, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they were on their way to Bethany. It's a city just a few miles east of Jerusalem. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell, look, listen to this, this, this lady. She is now speaking to Jesus, and she says, tell her to help me. And in my Bible, there's an exclamation point. So it's the same way as if, if you were speaking to someone else, and you'd say, tell them to help me. It's like, and she's saying this to Jesus. Can you imagine such a thing? Martha, Martha, the Lord, that be, would be Jesus, of course, in verse 41. Uh, the Lord Jesus answered, You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and is not to be taken from her. Huh. 
So you see this, just this, this setting where Jesus is in a very private setting in a home. And he's just speaking to them and, and he's there. You see that, that Mary just kind of jumps and she's just like at the feet of Jesus, right? She's just hanging out at the feet of Jesus. She's just soaking up everything and she's just adoring Jesus. She's worshiping him. She's just sitting there listening to every word that he said. I mean, hello, it is God in the flesh in your home. What would you do? And yet we look at Martha, she's like so concerned because she sees the other side of it. And maybe some of you ladies lean into this area. It's like, then Martha's on the other side of it. She's like, God is at my home. Ah! And she's going crazy to go to take care of everything that needs to be done. Right? Ladies, if we're honest, how many of you would be the same way? And yet, one of the things that we see from this text is there can be balance. Martha wasn't doing a bad thing. She just wasn't doing the best thing. Mary was doing the best thing at the time, and she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And we can actually see, by the way, that, that Martha is the little interplay with Martha and Jesus. We can see where her heart is, and we can see that she's a little bit out of balance. First takeaway this morning is this. Service for God flows from silence before God. Our service for God flows from silence from God. Or before God. Many times, as somebody who, and I would say this is not something that, that you should do, many times people, even, even well meaning Christians, they run into service and they're just so busy serving, 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 and maybe they even have the, the, you know, the, the spiritual gift of helps and they just want to help and serve and they want to be involved everywhere, but the thing that they are reluctant to do is to stop and actually receive something of God themselves. And I have to tell you, this is where I land. Just being real, this is where I land. I can, I can run myself ragged serving you and serving God, and I can have you pat me on the back and say, wow, thanks, you're a great pastor. But at the same time, my, my, you know, where I am spiritually is just diminishing, diminishing, diminishing. This is a weakness I have. This is, this is something that, that I, I struggle with. I've struggled with this for years. I love being around people. And yet, sometimes being in silence, being in silence for me, is very difficult. A couple weeks ago, um, one of the things I love about my wife is my wife knows when, when I start, when I get to this point and I need to have a little bit more balance in, in my life and in my service, and she sees that I'm spiritually kind of beaten up, one of the things that she'll do for me is she'll say, hey, uh, you need to get away. And usually it just it starts very subtle and it's just like in a conversation and she'll say, hey, you, you need to get away. And then if I don't listen, then she, she gets just a little bit more, a little bit more firm and she, she speaks to me just boldly. I'm accountable to her and she looks at me square in the eye and she says, you need to get away. But then as I, if, or rather, if I were to go through and be reluctant to listen to her, then she will square me up and she will speak even more firmly and she will say, you need to get away. And getting away from me is very simple. It's simple for me, maybe not for you. For me, getting away is, is donning a backpack, finding a trail somewhere, and just kind of getting, being alone with God. But I have to tell you, when you're alone in that situation, for me, sometimes the silence is deafening. But I have to be alone with God to realize that I'm not alone. 
I have to be alone with God to just sense and be aware of His presence. I can be so busy serving you and serving Jesus and all of you and running around and making hospital visits, doing all the things that I love to do. And yet at the same time, I can be spiritually dying on the vine. Who is it that speaks into your life and says, hey, you need some time? Who is it for you? Who is it for you that is going to just, who knows you and who can speak into you and that you would listen, who would say, hey, you need to detach a little bit. You're doing a little too much. Your life is becoming a little bit out of balance. When's the last time you've actually sat at the feet of Jesus instead of running around like Martha? Because you have to have someone, and I am so blessed to have my wife to be able to do this. And as stubborn as I can be, as sometimes I know she's right. But yet, at the end of the day, every single one of us have to understand that our service for God flows from silence before God. For you, it may not be the woods. For you, it could be the other room. For you, it could be the beach. For you, it could be just to go and sit in your car for 10 minutes, right? And for you, maybe moms, if you have several kids, maybe you just need to kind of check out of the house a little bit, go outside on the porch and just kind of breathe. And maybe you can't take an extended amount of time away, but you just need to sit still long enough to hear from God. That may be five minutes, it may be, it may be a day, but, but I don't know what it is for you. But we have to sit still before God. Mary, by the way, that, that is the English translation. Miriam is the Hebrew translation, and Maria is the Greek translation of the same name. Just a little tidbit, um, just in case you care. And I, I would say just some some things about Mary, and this really is what we see from this text. Mary, uh, in and of herself, we see her, the interplay with her three times in the Gospels, and all three times she's at the feet of Jesus. All three times. This being one of from Luke 10. All three times she's at the feet of Jesus. So she's a worshiper, right? That's like, at her core, that's what she is. She is a worshiper. She's not, she's, she's not going to get caught up in everything else that's going on. She's going to worship and do what it is that she's supposed to do before the Lord. I would say she's kind of like the Apostle John. She's kind of quiet. She's kind of reserved. Maybe that's your temperament. Maybe you're kind of quiet. You're kind of reserved. Maybe your tendency is to be like Mary. It's not not a bad thing. It's a great thing. And, and yet, maybe that could be your tendency and, and, and you just kind of, maybe you need a little push to serve more. That you find yourself, uh, you know what, uh, maybe you're like Mary. Maybe you like to be alone and maybe you need to be challenged to serve. Maybe for you, you're, you understand, you track on with Mary and you say, wow. And I'm not, I'm not saying there was anything wrong with what Mary was doing. But I'm just telling you, if you I'm talking about, uh, about balance, so we're going to try and balance what, what Mary is doing with what Martha is doing. And, and I believe if we would really look into these two people and, and the characteristics of their life and allow that to reflect upon our life, I know that we will find our stories in one of these two ladies. So Mary's doing a good thing. She's serving. And uh, all of that, I think, her temperament, and like I said, from the Gospels, it, you look at the Gospel or at the Apostle John, he was kind of a quiet, kind of withdrawn person. God used him mightily. God uses this personality mightily. He needs every single one of us in the body of Christ to do what it is that we're supposed to do. And yet we see the other side of it um, with, 
with Martha, and kind of the takeaway with this is labor is no substitute for love. Labor is no substitute for love. Think about this in your marriage, okay? We're going to get off of the spiritual side, and we're just going to go into your marriage, right? And say you were to never say, I love you, to your spouse, ever. But what you would do instead is, instead of speaking those words, you would just kind of come in and you would just like buy her flowers or, or, or you know, the, the husband would buy the wife flowers or maybe the, the wife would buy something for the guy. You never said, I love you. You just kind of exchange gifts. Would we all agree that that's not like the best way to be? Would we all agree upon that? Some of you, shamefully, some of you have, have parents who you have never heard them say, I love you. And yet they substituted the words, I love you, with buying you things. And just as the old song says, you can't buy me love. Know that song? And yet, we know that labor is no substitute for love. And I I think in a lot of ways, that's what Martha's doing. And kind of some characteristics of Martha. She also is a worshiper. We see that she's more, more vocal. Look at the thing that she said to Jesus. Tell her to help me. She had to be so bold to do that. She kind of felt sorry for herself. And I would say she was much more like Peter than she was like John. If you are familiar with the Bible, you know that Peter was a person who would like, he would say whatever was on his mind, and then he would sit back and say, man, did I really say that to Jesus? Like, did I really do that? He was that guy. So we see that the, the dynamic of both of these, uh, of both of these people one who understands that service for God flows from silence before God. That would be Mary. And then we see that labor is no substitute for love. And we, all, we see that with Martha. Her inclination is to, to serve it out. And I would say this, uh, just because I think this is familiar with, with uh, a majority of you. There's this thing called the social gospel that is based on kind of the mentality of what you see with Martha. The, the, the kind of social gospel is that, that having Jesus isn't enough. The, the idea of the social gospel is, and it's so prevalent, in, in, and it kind of works right along with the prosperity gospel, which neither one of them is the gospel, by the way, the true gospel. But they kind of work together, and the social gospel is this. Okay, I'm just going to serve, 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 serve. I'm going to create this this. This organization, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give to this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give to this. And all of a sudden, if that is not based in Jesus, what we're trying to do is trying to earn our own salvation. So we say, you know what? It's not that, it's not that serving is bad. Serving is quite good. But it leads to a social gospel, which is an incomplete gospel. And I don't know where you are with that. We're going to jump more into this in just a second. But I don't know where you are with that. Like some of us, and I'm not picking on you, but some of us, we we need to worship better. We really do. And yet some of you just need to start serving. You need to do something. That your life is just... It, it's you're so closed in and it's about you, but it's not about you. We see that with Martha. It's a, she makes it about her. She boldly just goes to Jesus and says that she's she's like caught in self pity. Like tell her to help me. In essence, what she's saying is it's about me, Jesus. It isn't about you. It's about me. Psalm twenty six two through three says this. 
Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. Test me, O Lord. This is what I want you to do. I want, you know, for you, you may think you, you have absolute balance. And maybe you could be deceived. I, I want you to just kind of allow this to resonate. I'm going to just read this verse again. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For your love is ever before me and walk continually in your truth. So here's some characteristics. I need some reflection and worship time if, if. I need more worship time. I'm going to parallel this. I need more worship time or I need to serve more. I need more reflection or worship time if, if I'm so distracted by life and I'm mentally frazzled, I cannot concentrate on anything. You just need to, you need to detach. You need to have a little bit more time just sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary did so well. You need some reflection, worship time if you're, you're like Martha and, and you're caught up in self-pity and you feel sorry for yourself. And you wonder why everybody doesn't feel what you feel and yet you feel like everybody else owes you something because you serve so much and because you do so much and now you're making an enemy of everyone else that's around you. And kind of hand in hand with self-pity is the idea of being self-centered. Why do I always have to? Why aren't they doing what I'm doing? Why is, it, why is it that I always have to be the person to volunteer here, and yet everybody else is sitting around doing nothing? You see, you've, you've not made your service something that, that is really God-honoring. You've made that service about you. And now you're caught in self-pity, and that's become self-centered. Maybe you just have a, you need some reflection, worship time, if you just have a lack of joy and you're emotionally unstable. Like you just don't have joy. It just seems like the life is just out of you all the time. Maybe it's because you've been so busy giving and serving everywhere else and doing everybody else's work, and you haven't actually sat at the feet of Jesus just to, oh, just to receive a little bit like Mary. Oftentimes, this, this is going to rear itself in the home. Maybe as a couple, maybe you just need to kind of have a, a couple moments, even after this talk, maybe over lunch or maybe sometime later today, and just kind of have a talk and just say, where am I in the mix of all this? Is there emotional instability in my life? Maybe you need some reflection worship time if you're just irritable and frustrated. You just snap. You're wound up so tight, you just snap on everyone else. And you'll know this. You'll know if this is you, if everybody else in your house kind of goes one way and they just kind of walk away from you. That's a telltale sign that they probably don't want to be around you because you're wound up so tight and they think you're going to snap on them. Maybe you're like me and you're just kind of uncomfortable with quiet. It's in those times that we need to seek quiet places the most. Maybe you just have a sense of dryness or emptiness 
and you feel like you have nothing left to give. And if that's you, I would say that's easy to get back, and all you have to do is go back to Jesus. And maybe you have to say, say no to some good things, but to sit at Jesus' feet, that being a great thing. The other side of it, so I need some reflection worship time, but then I need to better serve others if, I would say this, if there's a slight depression. You need, this is going to seem counterproductive, but if there's a slight depression and, and you just kind of feel like, oh, it's not a clinical thing, not a doctor thing, not going to see a counselor or therapist thing. It's just a slight depression. I, and it seems counterproductive because depression is when you go inward, but it, it's in those moments that you need to go outward the most. And if you just have a slight depression where you're just like, you're ho-hum and you just kind of, nothing excites you anymore. And it seems like your faith has become kind of dead. And I would say in that situation, what you need to do is you need to find an area to serve. Because all of your world is starting to revolve around you. And that could be an early warning sign that you need to start serving somewhere. Maybe you feel like people are an intrusion you're just like, you're to the point where you just like keep people at bay. You're like keeping people at distance. You're like, oh, you know, people are just such an intrusion on my life. I would say this, that is a barrier that is not of the Lord. And that is a barrier that needs to be taken down. And the only way it's going to be taken down is if you choose to serve people with your life. People being an intrusion. Maybe your energy is just is just running low. And that kind of works hand in hand with the... The, uh, the slight depression where you're just running low and all of a sudden you start thinking about yourself and I feel bad and, and then it just becomes like a flywheel and then you start feeling bad but if you're not serving you just start to feel worse and then all of a sudden you look around at everybody else and you start comparing your life to everybody else and then you avoid everybody else and everybody else avoids you and you've created your own problem. These are, these are early warning signs that something's wrong. And I would say it, it usually goes, in this situation, it goes back to an idea of what are you worshiping and, and who are you serving? What are you worshiping and who are you serving? And it, you need to, to better serve others if you have never served in the body of Christ before. Like every one of us, we're... we're we all have a responsibility. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, we all have this responsibility. Every single one of us. One of the things that I, I want to do to help you is, I realize this could be burdensome, and then like me even saying that, now people are like, yeah, I want to serve, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's always the second question, and that's a question I get all the time, so I've come prepared for an answer. One of the things that I want to do, if, you're, if you sit back and you're like, you know, I want to serve, but I don't know where it is I'm supposed to serve, and you believe that time is valuable and that your service is valuable, so you, you want to be in the best possible place that you can be for the amount of time that you have to serve, here's what I want to do. At the end of this talk, uh, my wife and I will be at the back door, we're always at the back door, and the hospitality team will be back there, which was Van and Annette Wagner. We'll be back there, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to say to me, hey, I want to take a shape assessment. And what a shape assessment is this. 
It takes into account five different things. We believe that God has, has equipped you in five different ways that you are uniquely designed to do ministry. The first one is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Every follower of Jesus has been given a spiritual gift. That's clear in the scriptures. The P, or excuse me, the, the H is your heart. It's your heart. It's your passion, kind of what revs you up, what excites you. The A is abilities. These are just natural abilities, not spiritual gifts. Maybe it's what you do for a living. Maybe it's what you would do for a living if you could. The P is personality. Every single person with the the differing personalities, we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. And the last one is the thing I would say that is so, so important. And this is the thing that, that shapes our lives. It's our experience. You have gone through experiences, and as God redeems those experiences, he wants, used, he wants to use those experiences and the healing that he has done in your life to help heal somebody else's. That's part of being the body of Christ. So a shape assessment. If that resonates with you and you're like, I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to do in, in serving, I don't know where, where it is or what it is, then I would say my answer for that is very simple. Uh, Come and talk to me about a shape assessment. And over the next couple weeks, we'll have some printed out, and we're going to create an opportunity for us to sit back and actually discuss it, go through it, go through the assessment. It's like five or six pages, all simple questions, no complicated math. Woo, breathe a sigh of relief. And we'll go through, and you'll be able to take care of it, and that way you'll have some confidence in knowing what it is that you're supposed to do. I understand it's difficult. But I also believe that you've been shaped for ministry. The enemy of great things are are the good things. They're the good things. Martha and Mary were both worshiping. Martha and Mary were both worshiping in in a certain way, but, but it had become out of balance with Martha. And then all of a sudden, Martha, she started to lean toward the serving too much. And then you could see the interplay with her and Jesus. Both, I believe, to be godly women. And yet, Jesus, his reply in verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. Notice that Jesus didn't scold Martha. He didn't sit back and say, wow, you just need to sit down like Mary. That isn't what Jesus does. He, he is and he was the perfect embodiment of grace and truth. You see, the truth is her life has become out of balance, but the grace is Jesus says, I give you a second chance. And he offers the same thing for you and me. And he says that Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. The inward flow from worshiping fuels the outward flow of our serving. That's the simple truth there. And I would say this as well. Serving is a good thing, but service makes a terrible God. Serving, it's a good thing. But if we run headlong into service and we neglect who we're serving, and we can actually we can create something within ourselves where we start serving and make it about us and not about Jesus. And it's in that moment it becomes idolatry. That's what you see on the screen. 
It's in that moment. Now we're not worshiping Jesus anymore. We're worshiping ourselves. And that will lead you, like I had mentioned earlier, that will lead you to a salvation that you think salvation is based off of your works. But we're clear in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says this, period, point blank, that it is not about our works. This is what it says. For it is by grace that you've been saved. If somebody's a Christian, it's by the grace of God that they've been saved. It's through faith and is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by, what's the next word? It's on the screen. Works. For no one can boast. I love the, the, the truth that's in this passage of Scripture. That means there's no amount of good deeds that you can kind of tally up to one day you'll be okay with God. All of us, for us to be okay with God, it's only through what happened on the cross through Jesus. And yet, if we, if we try and serve and we try and live out a social gospel, well, it's all a matter of, well, I'm just going to serve, 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 and give, give, give. Ultimately, it will become about us and it will create distance between us and God. And it will honestly create distance between us and other people because it has become an idol. And that's what all idols do. It creates distance between us and God and us and people. So, kind of wrapping this up, taking these things, we're going to go through some steps. Very simple steps. Some of them are going to be reiterated. Steps to being a balanced worshiper or servant. First one is this. Understand that a lifestyle of worship is developed. This isn't going to happen overnight. This isn't like, wow, I got saved, now everything makes sense. Because many times we're going to be like that child on the teeter-totter. We're going to be like me on the teeter-totter. We're going to feel like we're kind of thrown up and down. It takes, it, it takes work. It takes some, some self-discipline. It, it takes some uh, accountability from other people to kind of hold us in that tension of, am I, am I worshiping well and serving well? Or am I, am I worshiping so much where now I'm actually not serving anyone? And then my life is about to get out of balance or vice versa. Understand that a lifestyle of worship is developed. This is the reason why this church talks about read your Bible, pray, get in a small group, be accountable to someone. This is the reason why we talk about these things because it's in those environments or doing those things that you're going to, be the, you're going to have the best balance of worship and service. If you don't do those things, you will have no clarity in your mind as if you're doing the right thing or not. You'll only have consequences for the bad thing or for the, the, when things start to go wrong. So understand that, it, that a lifestyle of worship, it has to be developed. It doesn't come overnight. The second one is this. Live with awareness of God's presence. This sounds so spiritual, like, wow, this doesn't even happen. I want to make this very tangible. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. This will be on the screen, providing that the computer screen likes me right now. I don't know. We'll see. I'll just read it. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16. And this is making this very, very personal, very practical. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. See, this is a matter of living in God's presence, being living in, with an awareness of God's presence. We can, we can get so confused and so blinded to the reality that God cares about us, that God sees us, He loves us, He pursues us, He wants the best things for us. We can become so blind to those things and, and even stop, stop realizing and living in the awareness of God's presence. 
God desires relationship with us. We talked about that through our Advent series. The, the idea of Advent and Jesus coming was, was really the promise that was fulfilled through relationship. And this is one of the great things that he tells us and a way to equip us to do this. He says, be joyful always. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for the believer. The, the, only, different, the, the only way that the world around us is going to be different and the only way that we're going to be used of the Lord in the way that he wants us to, and the only way that this church is going to be the, the beacon of hope is if we, we do this. Because it's in this situation, it's the idea of joy. The, the, the world and the world system cannot provide joy. Only the Lord provides joy. So as the world looks at, at people who call themselves followers of Jesus, they expect us to be joyful. And that's attractive. And then pray continually. When times get hard, when times are hard, pray. When it seems like your world is kind of caving in, pray. When it seems like you're kind of caught in this world of self-pity and somebody speaks a word to you and says, Hey, I think you need some balance as a worship. You just need to stop and pray. Allow the Lord to, to do some heart work on you. And give thanks in all circumstances. I know that seems so difficult. And, and I don't have time to really unpack that, but that really comes with spiritual maturity. And that, that does come with some experiences of, of kind of walking through something and seeing God do, do something through your life. Maybe you have some brokenness, and as God does some mending, all of a sudden you get on the other side of it and you start to realize life is not that bad. That this, this circumstance, this obstacle, this hardship is not that bad. And you start to build up these kind of like faith muscles that realizing, wow, I can even be thankful in this because I believe that God is going to use this and he's going he's gonna to do something with it. Yeah, sure, it hurts, but he's going to mend it he's going to mold me to be something that I wasn't before and now he's going to use you to go out and serve someone else and help somebody else who is in that situation at the time giving thanks in all circumstances the third one and it may be the most important for you is examine yourself I'm just going to uh, these are not going to be on the screen but I'm just going to give some sources of scriptures if you have a pen handy you may want to write these down the idea of examining yourself Scriptures like 2 Corinthians 13.5 talk about examining ourselves. Job 13.23 talks about examining ourselves. Jeremiah 31.19 talks about examining ourselves. Lamentations 3.40 talks about examining ourselves. And Psalm 26.2 and 3 talks about examining ourselves. That's what was on the screen a little while ago. Allow the Lord to, to have this time of examination and to examine us. And to see, to see what it is that we're lacking. What, what's, what's missing in our life? What's missing in our relationships? Who is it that you need to start serving better? Maybe for some of you, you're, you're kind of... You love to serve, and now your service has just kind of gotten out of control to where now you only even come, you, you only come to church when you serve. 
I serve today, so we're going to church. And then all of a sudden, you never become a worshiper, and you become, honestly, you become a liability to those you're serving. Because you will become spiritually weak, and you will become spiritually dry. And then you will try and serve out of a place that is dry. And it becomes dangerous. So we have to have times of examination. And the next one, it's something I've been really longing to say. We, we should prepare for corporate worship, the other side of it. We should, we should prepare for worship. Oftentimes, we, people come into this setting and they get nothing from this time. It's because what we've done is we haven't done any sort of preparation for this time. We haven't prayed before we've come in here. We haven't confessed sins before we've come in here. We just kind of come in here and we just kind of, we've just added something to our day and we just come in and we leave and we, we don't receive anything. We sit back and say, well, how was church today? And you don't have nothing good to say and God hasn't spoken to you in any way. And oftentimes it's because we have not gone through a time of preparing ourselves before before we come in here. This is something that, that AJ and I talk about all the time. And, and that he is trying to instill into his team. And that Amy is trying to instill into her team. And the people that are on those teams to understand that what we do Monday through Saturday affects what we do on Sunday. And it's the same thing for you. It's the exact same thing. What you do. I would say pray before entering Try and get some rest. And I realize this doesn't always happen, but try and get some rest uh, on on Saturday or Saturday night. Get to bed at a decent time. Um, Just have some time of confession. And this is why it's important to have our kids in in DBC Kids and have them in age-appropriate uh, spaces of worship. This is this is why. Because oftentimes we, we can come in here and, and we can get so caught up in everything else in our kids and we've got to do this and we've got to serve them. But, it, but get this, when they go into DBC Kids, we have created experiences where they can worship that, that fit where they are in life. And yet when you come in here, I want, to, I want you to have full attention of His Word and the worship through His Word that will help you to, to help your life to be more balanced as a worshiper and as a servant of God. That's one of the things that's very important. And, and that's how we kind of prepare and we kind of make it a priority to say, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my child in DBC Kids. They're going to have a time of worship um, and, and, and we're going to have our time of worship. And yet one of the, you know, who suffers in that situation, if, if we don't heed that advice, um, honestly, all of that family suffers because the child is not going to get anything from, from my, my talks nine times out of ten because it's not geared for them. And yet, I don't want the parents to be distracted because this is a special, special time where we come together, where we, we sit under the great shepherd and that we, we kind of graze as his flock. And we only have about 53 times to do this a year. Think about that. About 53 times. So they're special. We have to guard these times. We should prepare for these times. And I would say this in closing, worship is, you worship especially when you don't feel like it. How many breakthroughs have happened in your life, whether on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, where you've kind of, you've almost predetermined, you know what, I'm not going to go to church tomorrow. I just, man, I just don't feel like it. I'm just tired. If we're honest, we've probably all thought that or said that or both. We're just like, you know what, I'm just tired. I'm just, I'm just going to stay home today. And you miss out. You could be missing out on something that would absolutely change your life. And yet, it's in that situation where we need to worship, especially when we don't feel like it. Because when we push past that, that personal boundary, 
we really allow God to speak into us and into our life. 